What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Creating Madness. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Ethan Carboni, as well as our guest here today, Coach Kenny Blackney of the Howard Bison men's basketball team. Coach, Ethan, how are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you for having us. Yeah, well, it's good. So, with that being said, Coach, would you like to shout out your socials before we move any further into this? Yeah, my Instagram is Kenneth Poopy Blakeney, all one word. And my Twitter is Poopy Blakeney. All right. Ethan, would you mind shouting out our socials? Yep. As always, our Twitter is at ATR Madness. We're revamping our social, the rest of our socials, but Twitter is our main one. You'll find us on there. And with that being said, we got to shout out our sponsor, MatchBets. We have our link in our book. Add some money. Have some fun. It's baseball season right now. College basketball is underway. Who knows? Anything can happen. Yep. I mean, I know for one, I'm going to be betting a lot on the Howard Bison on match bet. I'm going to use a lot of my free promotion money uh, on the Bison. But make sure you guys check out the link in our Twitter bio and have some fun in the betting scene. Only if you're 18 plus, though. And now, let's get into our questions. Ethan, do you want to start us off with the first question? Yes, of course. Uh, Coach, being at Howard as an HBCU, uh, what does it mean to you to be able to change the way, to be able to mentor these kids' lives and change the path that they may have been on? Yeah, it's it's amazing to uh, to have a chance and to say that I work at you know one of the top seventy five universities in the in the country, and it's also an HBCU. And then you can say it's Howard on top of that is phenomenal. I've never in a hundred years thought that I would ever be able to probably fit or work in a profile that I just described. So to have an opportunity to bring young men uh, to this university that has meant so much to so many people and has been a brand that has been consistently a brand of excellence it's, it's unbelievable, um, you know, and it, it's great because we're starting to get, you know, I think some traction with our program and with our young men in a way that we're growing it, uh, that our young men are doing internships on Capitol Hill. They're doing things with, you know, companies that are working in the IT space. They're doing internships with, you know, our DC government. So it's, it's, it's a great, I think balance that we can have uh, here at Howard University. That's incredible. Is I don't think a lot of people realize like the amount of work that student athletes put in as a part of that first being student and gain those internships, gain the grades to be able to do what they need to succeed after basketball. That's come to Howard is because they're going to get that world well-rounded experience. It means a lot if we can prepare the next generation of men in a way that they're capable and confident moving out into the workspace after they're done playing basketball with resources, with experience, and with an incredible, you know, college and educational, uh, you know, experience that they would have at Howard. For sure. John? Yeah, Coach, it sounds like a phenomenal opportunity for your students um, academically. But speaking of phenomenal 
academic universities, you've also been an assistant coach at quite a few of them, speaking of the likes of Columbia, Harvard, Seton Hall, James Madison. But what is your time coaching um, at these universities done for you as a coach now? Like, what lessons have you learned at these other prestigious universities to lead you to this point as a head coach? Well, I think the, you know, my base and my foundation was laid here in Washington, D.C., and it started with the Boys and Girls Club of uh, Washington, D.C. I had a chance to play for some incredible, fundamentally sound coaches at a young age at number eight Boys Club and going on to remote recreation, the same thing there, playing for Coach Fluff Parker, um, just being having mentors and coaching coaches that were so into the foundation and the fundamentals. And I think for me, that that's been the one thing that I've been very fortunate to have a opportunity to work at places that stress that. Um, a lot of the coaches that I've worked for, I've had incredible relationships with, or they've been mentors. So our track and our past, our journey has all been consistent. And, you know, the one thing that has been even consistent with that has been the fundamentals. So I, I think just from all my different teams I've ever played on, all the places I've ever worked, the thing that has been consistent that I've brought with me to the, to the table here at Howard are fundamentals. It's a very solid answer, coach. You know, you gotta have the building block somewhere and there's no better place to have the best building block with your fundamentals. I mean, that's what made all the great players great. So that's definitely a very valid position, in my opinion, from a basketball standpoint. Ethan? Sticking with all of your stops on your way to becoming a head coach, as John mentioned, so many prestigious universities and really basketball programs in there. Uh, working under all the coaches that you did, is there like a most important piece of advice that you were given by one of the people you worked under? I don't think there was a piece of advice given more so than the men that I work for that, you know, when you're in situations, you can learn what to do and you can learn what not to do. And I've been in some incredible situations where I've learned what to do. Um, so working with guys like Tommy Amaker at Harvard, uh, Mike Bray, who's now currently at Notre Dame, uh, David Henderson, you know, a lefty Drizel, Speedy Morris, you know, a Ron Jerser at Marshall. You know, when you talk about those kind of guys that are first and foremost, really, really solid dudes and, and great characters, great family men, you know, it, it, it makes you want to, I think, strive to be a better person. And having an opportunity to be around those type of men, uh, you know, also gives me a little bit of an idea I think an identity of our program and who I want our young men to grow up to be. So I, I'm, I, I'm taking from, from them as people, as men, and trying to, I think, put my imprint on the Howard program and mentoring young men uh, that, that we can do a good job with. Um, it's incredible to me because you got to learn under just some of the best coaches, but like some of the best people in all of college basketball. And you can tell that that definitely helped in life. Oh, 100%. No, it's been, it's been really great. Uh, you know, the journey has, uh, 
it's the journey has been one that I never expect. Like I never thought I was going to coach. You know, I, I didn't know I was going to coach. That wasn't something that I had strived out to do when I was kind of going through my path. But I've had incredible mentors that have, I think, instilled in me uh, great life lessons, but also a passion for teaching, a passion for learning. Absolutely. others. What did you originally want to do? Because you just said you didn't want to necessarily be a coach. What was thought? Like coming out of well, college. After, yeah, after playing, I thought I wanted to go to law school and be a lawyer. Um, I did an internship one summer and uh, I found out that it wasn't for me and uh, had to now try to understand my, my new path, my new journey. And talking to Mike Bray and Tommy Amaker, who were both my assistant coaches at Duke University, um, I had a chance to, to interview straight out of college with Bob Bender, who was the coach at the time at the University of Washington. And uh, just kind of going through that process and understanding my path a little bit of, you know, growing up playing for some really good coaches, uh, the impact that I think that I could have as a coach of young men and the programs that I could possibly build. So um, that was kind of the epiphany for me. Wow. That's incredible. John? So, Coach, we just talked about a laundry list, one of the greatest coaches to ever do it. But, you know, that came to my mind, uh, a very common question that we see nowadays. Um, you might have a biased opinion to this question based on your previous experiences, but who do you think is the greatest coach in NCAA basketball history and why? Well, I, I think during my time period here on this earth, um, there's a number of names that kind of come to, come to play. I mean, you, you gotta, you know, I was born when John Wooden was coaching. So the incredible run that he had at UCLA and the number of national championships that they were able to win there is, is incredible. Um, certainly I think the landscape of basketball has changed dramatically. And I don't know if that could be duplicated during this era. Um, you know, you look at a Dean Smith who at Carolina had, you know, wow. It's just, you know, he's, he's on the, he's on the Mount Rushmore of coaches, right? You know, you got coach Wooden, you got coach Smith, and and then you have to throw, you know, at my college coach, coach K Mike Krzyzewski in the, in that, that group, I think as well, um, who's done an incredible thing. And, you know, certainly I, I want to recognize and, and, and also touch upon, you know, Coach John Thompson, who I grew up watching here in Washington, D.C. at Georgetown, first African-American coach to win a national championship. You know, you got Nolan Richardson out at Arkansas who beat our 95 Duke team in Charlotte, North Carolina for the national championship. And, you know, Coach John Chaney, for, for a number of years, he took an A-10 school in Temple out of Philadelphia and made it a national brand. So, you know, for me, those are probably the, the six most impactful coaches uh, during my lifetime. Wow. I think that in reality, John and I not expect you to be able to go into that much detail because, you know, being the former Duke player, you'd expect almost uh, for sure, Kay is the greatest of all time. But thank you for your insight for that.
Sorry, and I moving into Howard. John disconnected, but finally got back. Sorry, about to Howard basketball. You bring in Marcus Dockery, a kid who's originally from the D.C. area, and transferred to y'all. Known for his shooting, what can we expect to see from a kid who is seemingly getting his first shot at big college minutes? And- yeah, I, I think for our team in general, we have a group of guys that you know are going to be together for the next three years. And when you talk about our team and guys that are being together, you have a heavy core of about eight guys to nine guys that are, um, you know, going to play a, a big role in our program. And that's exciting to me to to have a chance this year to be one of the first teams in Howard history. We were it was the first time in 20 years that a Howard program has finished above 500. Um, the last time that Howard's team has done that has been 2002. And before that, it was 1992. So, um, you know, we've we've gained some traction. I think we've really took a step this year in understanding how to win and what it takes to win. I, I think with this group that we have now for the next three years, if we can continue to Last year, um, the sky's going to be the limit for this group over the next three years. That's incredible to hear, especially because really when you think of the MEAC the past couple of years, it's been really in Norfolk State and then everyone else. And we see the MEAC growing, and Howard's a huge part of that. Yeah, the, 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 the MEAC is, you know, unfortunately, right, wrong, or indifferent, is underrated. Um, there are some really, really good coaches in the MEAC. Like, you know, the guy down in Norfolk State, he can coach his ass off. Uh, the guy down at North Carolina Central, he can coach his ass off. The guy that's up at Morgan State, he can coach his ass off. The guy at UMES at University of Maryland Eastern Shore, he can coach his ass off. There was, some, you know, the coach that was at South Carolina State that just took the uh, Alabama job, I think. You know, he, he Alabama A&M job. He can coach his butt off. Like, there's a lot of good coaches in this league, and there's some talented players. I mean, you know, Juan Dixon does a terrific job over at Coppin State. Um, they got us three times last year. So, you're right. The league has gotten better. It has grown. And I think that, you know, there's been, with the young kind of hungry coaches that are in this league, um, that are all trying to scrap and fight and claw to try to get to the top, you know, the talent level of player has increased. Um, you know, we have a guy in Kyle uh, Foster that, you know, yesterday he was working out with the Wizards. He had a workout with the Memphis Grizzlies. He was invited to the G League combine out in Chicago. Um, he is going to be on somebody's roster next year, G League-wise or overseas. You know, the, the, the talent has, I think, escalated to a point now where, you know, year in and year out, the top teams in our league can beat, you know, a number of teams in a lot of leagues. And that includes Power 5 leagues. For sure. And I'm excited to see because you see me at games on ESPN Plus, and it's always fun just to watch these random teams that you might not have any affiliation with as a fan. And you can a lot, especially with 
like you said, you have a player that's going to end up going overseas or G League. You're going to see a lot of pro ball in these smaller leagues, especially like the MIAC. John? So, Coach, we've kind of touched over the fact you played Duke. We've gotten some, some tidbits here and there. But I want to know how your time as a player at Duke, being coached by one of the greats in the game, as you said, Coach Krzyzewski, how your time as a player there has translated over to the coaching world and what being a player in that environment has done for you um, with the X's and O's. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and thank you for allowing me the opportunity to talk about, you know, Coach K, but also my experience and there and what I've kind of have been able to take from there. Um, you know, there was a sense of urgency when I got to Duke. And it was a sense of urgency to win a national championship. Um, so to understand the detail that you have to practice with and play with, um, you understand the mental and physical, I think, toughness part that you have to have to be able to play at that level consistently to have a chance to win a national championship. Um you know, were things that I took from my experience there. Uh, you know, Coach K is one of the best leaders to ever do it in sports, uh, hands down. And that's pro, college, in any sport. Um, he has an incredible ability to take a group of men and making them better. Um, but with making them better, there is an, an incredible amount of substance in life lessons that you can take with that. Um, a lot of the things that we do here at Howard are all predicated from my time at Duke or from my time at DeMatha with coach, you know, Morgan Wooten. So I, I, you know, those two guys for me are incredible influences in my philosophy, uh, the way I see the game and the way that I would love to, I think, educate our young men and mentor our young men uh, you know, in this game of basketball. And so that's a, that sounds honestly like an incredible opportunity for, you know, anybody that gets to be a part of the brotherhood, but speaking of the brotherhood, what has your experience been like as a, as a member of the brotherhood? How, how unique is it of an opportunity to be part of such a, you know, a tight knit community like that? It's, it's incredible. And then just to give you a quick, quick story a little bit, um, Coach K's last game at Cameron was against North Carolina. And myself and Tyler Thornton, who's on our staff here at Howard, um, a Duke alum, really, really good player at Duke, um, drove down together for the last game. So hour before the game, you know, we go get our tickets and they have the whole brotherhood in a um, room, just kind of everybody connecting and seeing one another and spending time. And it, it was, it was, you know, I got chill bumps just thinking about it because it was one of those moments where everybody was there. Um, and what was really neat about that day for me, not only having a chance to celebrate, you know, coach K and what he's done for the game of basketball, um, all of those guys in the brotherhood knew what was going on at Howard and with our program and were genuinely happy that we were having success. 
So that meant so much to me, to be honest. Wow. That's an incredible story. I mean, the brother has been going on for 40 years now. You got guys who are 18 years old in the brother and you got guys who are in their what now 50s, 60s. So that must just be a, a really surreal opportunity to be able to connect with people from different generations even. So that's a, that's a very cool opportunity to have there coach. No, see guys like a Gene Bakes or Mike Jaminski or, you know, Daniel Ewing, or JJ Reddick, you know, Grayson Allen, Christian Leitner, you know, Grant Hill, like, you know, Steve Wojohowski, Carlos Boozer, like all of those guys come back to show love and respect to Coach K and what he meant to to them is incredible. For sure. Ethan, you got another question? Yep. Uh, Howard returns Steve Settle and Elijah Hawkins for what surely will be a dominant duo. And as their coach, what makes these two players so special? I, I think uh, starting out with E, you know, they're, they're kind of polar opposites a little bit. Uh, Elijah Hawkins goes by little E or E uh, or three. He is probably 5'10 at best on a good day. Um, and, you know, he's a little bit of a child prodigy. He's a guy that has been in the game and beloved by – He's one of those guys, like, he's everybody's favorite basketball player's basketball player, right? You know, like, so everybody loves him. Everybody knows him. I was in Chicago at the, the Combine and having dinner, Daryl Morsell played at the University of Maryland and finished up at Marquette, uh, was at the restaurant. He saw me, came over. He goes, hey, man, tell Elijah, you know, I said, hello. He, he's, my, he's one of my favorite basketball players. I was like, wow, like a guy that has played four years in college, you know, is looking at you know, Elijah as one of his favorite basketball players that just finished his first year. Um, he is the most competitive and one of the toughest dudes that I've ever seen on any court. And that goes with guys that I've played with at Duke. Um, I, I think the world of the kid, like he is a basketball dude. Like if you love basketball, you love him. And uh, there's no secret why I think we were able to take some steps last year um, in having one of the best point guards, I think that's going to be in college basketball over the next couple of years. He's a guy that finished, you know, top five in steals in the country. And I'm not sure if he was able to finish top 10 in an assist, but I know, you know, for most of the season, he was trending in that direction. Um, so I'm looking forward to him coming back for his second year, his sophomore season uh, with some added size in terms of bulking up a little bit. And uh, building on what he was able to do last year as our point guard, as our floor general, as our quarterback. Steve Settle um, is an incredible story. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, hell, you probably were destined to do this. Um, in high school, when he entered DeMatha Catholic High School here in Washington, D.C., Hyattsville, Maryland, Steve Settle was 5'9". And over the next four years, he grew a whole foot. So by the time he was six, nine, 145 pounds. So he didn't have a great opportunity because of his body transitioning to play many minutes at DeMatha. Um, when I got a call from Mike Jones, who I played high school with, he was currently the coach at DeMatha. 
Mike said that, you know, I asked him, I said, is there anybody that you would recommend, you know, that I take a look at? And he said, Steve. And I was like, okay, tell me about him. He just goes, look, he, he really had challenges because of his body getting on the court and staying on the court. But he, he was like, every time that we would play one-on-one or do competitive drills, he would always do really well. And so me being a DeMatha alum, I knew what that meant, that he was a kid that if given the opportunity and probably, you know, when his body caught up to the strength uh, that is needed for him to be a dominant player or a good player, that he was going to be really good. So on a whim, I'm not going to say we took a chance on him because, you know, obviously young men take chances on us as well. But uh, we, you know, we were able to get him to commit and sign with us. And, you know, we redshirted him his first year at 6'9". He, he grew another inch or inch and a half. So he's closer to 6'11 now. He's put on probably about 30 pounds since then. And uh, he's a young man at 6'11 that can play multiple positions. He can play to one, he can play to two, he can play to three, he can play to four, and depending on how we're playing, he can play to five. So, you know, he goes from a guy that struggled to be a high school player uh, at DeMatha to being a second team all league guy in his first real year of eligibility in college basketball. Wow. Those are two great stories. You have a kid who one of the best players in the country these past couple of years even knew about with Elijah being what seems to be a long shot dark horse for all point guard. <clears throat> then you have Steve Settle, who's one of the most incredible stories is you guys both took the chance on each other with him not having much playing time. And it all worked out perfectly. Coach, did you say 6'9", 145? Did I hear that correctly? 6'9", 145. You did. What? Yeah, that was a growth spurt in one year. In over four years, it was a foot growth sport spurt, but the weight didn't catch up to his body. Oh, my Lord. That's, that's, that's actually remarkable. I've never heard of anything like that body transformation-wise before. That's incredible. Um, no. But I, have, I think we have one last question, and then – I think we'll wrap up our time here on this interview, but Ethan and I always like to ask a fun question in every interview. And so we were just wondering, you've been a lot of different places as a player and a coach. And we were wondering if you just have any funny recruiting stories or any interesting recruiting stories. Obviously we just heard one great one, but do you have another from your time anywhere else that we can, you know, have a fun way to end this interview on? All right. So I'm 50 years old. How old are you guys? I'm 18. 18. Both are 18. Have Have you guys ever heard of MapQuest? Yeah, I think so. All right. So MapQuest, during my days, when I started out as an assistant coach, I was probably 25, 26. So we're talking about 25 years ago, right? Right. And MapQuest wasn't an app. It was a program on a computer that you had to – put in the information, it gave you the directions and you had to print out the directions. And uh, I was leaving, I was working at LaSalle. I had left the university to go to a, a high school workout that was down near um, the Atlantic 
city, New Jersey kind of area. And there was some construction on the road. Basically, MapQuest at that time couldn't update because it was, you know, printed out already. And uh, I ended up getting lost and missing the workout. So the technology thing with MapQuest and not having GPS and all of those things 25 years ago was a lot different. Um, recruiting was a lot different. Like you didn't, you know, cell phones were not that relevant in terms of the way that we communicate on them today. Um, I remember hearing coaches talk about pulling over on the side of the road and using a cell phone. Technology advances that we have now that makes things a little bit more efficient and convenient for us. Uh, we didn't have 25 years ago. So I, I sound like one of those old guys that uh, hopefully not bitter, but uh, very happy and pleased that we have technology that can help us be a little bit more uh, streamlined and efficient in the things that we do. I can only imagine the nightmare of driving around DC without Google Maps, dude. I, I feel for <laughs> every of the age of 40 right now, pretty happily for their. Hey, I'm, I'm jealous of you guys. You get to grow up with all this, these wonderful tools that can uh, help you guys be so much better in life. Right. That's yeah. I don't, I don't know what I would do without a computer or Google maps, man. That would be a, that'd be a bad world for me, but um, that seems to be all the time we have with the interview coach. It's been a good one. Um, I re we really appreciate you for coming on here. Um, and you know, your SID for allowing you to be on here. Um, I think I can speak on behalf of both Ethan and I, um, that we'd love to have you on and that we had a great time today. So thank you. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you, John. I look forward to the next time that I'm on with you guys. All right. Sounds good. Um, real quickly, if you liked what you saw here, make sure you follow us on Twitter at ATR and make sure you go follow coaches socials that he said at the beginning of the episode, I know we'll be following them and, uh, you know, retweeting this episode and shouting you out. So, Again, one more time, thank you so much, Coach, and thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys in the next one.